we believe every person has the right to realize all that is possible for their future. Are you someone who is near retirement, who has been diligent about accumulating wealth and is now navigating the what's next heading into the next chapter of your life? Welcome to the Dream Architect Life Podcast, where money and mindset meet with Brian Sweet and Brittany Anderson from Sweet Financial Partners. In this podcast, we aim to help shift your focus to the things you can control so you can put your money to work in turning your dreams into reality. Through our trademarked process, The Dream Architect, we make wealth planning fun, informative, and enjoyable. Join us on this journey where Brian and Brittany will explore how you can eliminate your limiting beliefs in the pursuit of all that's possible. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Dream Architect Life Podcast. Brittany Anderson here, and I have with me an extra special guest who is going to share about some really cool stuff that he's working on. So I would like to introduce you to Trevor Muir. Trevor is the CEO of SurePoint Group and the founder of the SurePoint Someday to Today initiative. He is laser focused on building a culture of caring and believes to his core that authenticity and vulnerability are strengths. He strives to be an inspiring leader and knows that people help people best by sharing their experiences. Trevor, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Britt. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to give our listeners a little bit of backstory. So number one, I don't think it's any surprise at this point, why we have you on based on your bio. Um, you know, I, I know Brian was introduced by a fellow colleague and immediately was like, we have got to have Trevor on the dream architect life podcast. He is doing so much great. He is putting out so much value into the world. So Trevor, I would love for you to just share a little bit of your backstory, kind of where you came from, what got you to this point and, and where you're at today. Yeah, thank you. Um, and that's very kind of Brian as well to introduce me to you here and invite me onto this. Um, I, I grew up in a small, small farming community, as I was talking to you about earlier, uh, in northern Alberta called Elmworth and, uh, you know, young, young farm kid and learned, learned a lot of, a lot of really good things growing up on the farm. Uh, we had cows and pigs and chickens. And so learned about working hard, you know, responsibility, I learned about community. Uh, if somebody in the community was suffering, we you just went you just went and helped it, and and so I learned a lot of really really good things uh, that that prepared me well for life. What I didn't learn about really well was was uh, emotions and feelings. I mean, you just you just there was no there was no need for those things. You know, if you if you got hurt, you walked it off, and uh, and and so a lot of the things that I learned, you know, from my parents and. And from growing up, uh, the way that I did on the farm was really, really good and, and helped helped me a lot uh, in my life and helped me a lot in my career, for sure. You know, I learned at a later age that I needed to, to uh, you know, gain some emotional maturity at a lot later time in life. And it was really some things that happened later in life that got me to, you know, to where, to where I am today and the perspective that I have. Mm. So I think that's so interesting because, and I think that this is changing a little bit. So I'll preface that before I say this, but, you know, so often our strength 
is measured by our ability to kind of hold it together, keep it together, persevere, grit, you know, not being, you know, not being negatively affected too easily, being very resilient is the word I was looking for. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that pivot to vulnerability, that pivot to being able to really be transparent and lean into that emotional side. I think it's just fascinating. Yeah. And one of the questions you had for me, and I I just, you know, I don't spend a lot of time reading, reading them and thinking too much about them, but one hit me and it was, it was, you know, what was one of the biggest fears that I overcame Uh, and, and at 39, 40 years old, I, I, I hit a, I hit a point in my life where I needed to do some things differently. Um, I, I had been a part of SharePoint and had seen, you know, relative success, our business grew from 10 people to 400. We started in Grand Prairie in, in, uh, in a little bay and, uh, and then expanded internationally. And, and so a lot of things had gone, gone well. We had ended up selling the business uh, to a private equity group out of the U.S. when I was 36 years old. So things for me changed, uh, you know, drastically grew, grew up without a lot, always enough, but not a ton of money. And all of a sudden, financially, my life changed in my 30s. And, and that was a time in my life where, where I had everything that everybody thinks they want. I had a, a beautiful wife, a kid, fancy acreage. I, I had, you know, we had horses and a horse barn and, and parents that loved me. And I'm close with my sisters and I got friends. And, and, and now I have this financial success in this business that is doing really, really well. And, and my life spiraled out of control. It was it, 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 and it was really hard for me to understand. It was like, how can I feel the way I feel um, when I have everything that everybody wants? That was the point in my life where I was supposed to finally be happy and supposed to finally feel okay. And I didn't. And, and for three years or so, my life spiraled. I made some poor choices. Uh, things, things, got, you know, things got worse and worse and worse. And, and all of the stuff that, were, that meant something to me, I was starting to lose it. And I ended up, up separated from my wife and, and, and my biggest fear, I, you know, my biggest fear turned out to be the, the fear of, of being me. The, and, and I, I hit a point where I didn't even know who I was anymore. And I, uh, I woke up on a bathroom floor, separated from my wife, got a fancy, fancy condo, downtown Edmonton. <clears throat> and, and, and people would say, hey, you know, how are you doing? And I'd say, I'm doing good, doing good. You know, my wife and I are separated, but that's Okay. Um, you know, how's business? Business is good. Yeah, it's great. My partners are thinking about booting me out of the business because, you know, I'm not uh, being a very good partner, but that's okay. It's, pr- it's probably time anyway, you know, and I was, I was putting on this mask and I was pretending that everything was fine. It was okay. It was good. It was exactly how it needed to be. I was trying to be that resilient, hard person that you spoke about. And the truth is when I got back to that condo and I was all alone, and I shut out the lights. I was like a five-year-old boy afraid of the dark. Like I was laying in the fetal position, scared to death of everything. And uh, and woke up on a bathroom floor there about 10 or 11 weeks after I moved in there with an almost overwhelming desire to end my life. And and here I was, a, a person who had all the stuff. And and not just material, but also material. And, and I'm like, what in the hell is going on? You know, and, and that moment in time, I, I speak about this some and I say, it was, it was a moment where I had an almost equal fear of living and dying. I was, I was afraid, I was afraid I was going to live another day. And I was afraid I was going to die that day. And I believe that's hell on earth for me. It was, and, and, and the worst moment of my life, like without a doubt, but it became the best moment of my life. 
it, it was the catalyst for change for me. And, and I did something that I had never done before. I, I, I got up, I was washing my face because I'd been starting to cry. But in my early 20s, I'd made a decision I was never going to have a cry again. A girl, a girl broke my heart. And, and I was like, never, ever again, am I going to feel this way? And and uh, didn't realize that you know, I, I can't select my emotions. So I just blocked all of them. And I, I, I got up off the floor washing my face and, and I, I just caught myself looking in the mirror. And, and I don't know if I had ever really looked at myself like deep into my eyes before. And, and I just said, what would I tell a friend if they told me they have all the stuff, the wife, the kid, the acreage, the money, the parents, the, all the good stuff, but they felt that way. I'd be like, oh man, all that's real. Like it's all real and that's okay. And go get some help. And so I, I Googled help, put in some stuff and it came up psychiatrist, psychologist. I was like, I am there's no way I'm going to a psychiatrist. Like I do not want my friends to think I'm crazy. And that's how sick I was really. And in, instead life coach came up. I reached out to this life coach online in Edmonton. It's months to get into anybody, any kind of professional uh, mental health care person. And she had an opening the next day, a cancellation. So I got into her the next day and I went here and, and, uh, and, and, and I said, I got all showered, all cleaned up. She said, like, how's things? Good. They're good. Yeah, you know, little, little sad and got a few things going on. And, but I'm okay. And she said, you're not okay. And I said, no, no, I am definitely okay. She said, you're not okay. And I can't help you, but I'm super worried about you. And she ended up leaving the office. She said, don't leave. I'll be back in five minutes. And she brought a, a fellow named Dr. Gons into the room and he introduced himself and, and that man helped change my life. And so the perspective that I have today all came from that day on the bathroom floor. Whoa. <laughs> I, 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 number one, appreciate so much the, the vulnerability that you just had in that moment. And, you know, I'm literally sitting there listening to you. And I mean, Trevor, this is for our audience listeners. This is the first time you and I have ever met, <clears throat> you know, we've had a couple email communications, but this interview is the first time we've met. And I haven't heard that story before. And I think that you sharing this, obviously there's so much that you overcame and there had to be, I mean, I can just feel the pain in that journey. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> about it and, you know, we deal so much, you know, within our business, within sweet financial partners and some of our other business ventures in, you know, helping people kind of define that what's next. And there is this common misconception that, you know, you achieve a certain status or a certain level of wealth. And then you feel like, okay, well, once I get to this, then I'm set. And we find ourselves having conversations over and over again with people about how, you know, you have to have something else to, you know, lean into, to move towards, have that greater purpose, that rediscovery. You know, a lot of times what happens, especially for the people that we work with is, you know, they've had this sense of identity that's been tied to accomplishment, achievement, you know, who they are, what they've done, that whole thing. And then they get to a certain point where, you know, maybe they don't have to be in the chase anymore, or maybe they get to the point of selling a business or some sort of liquidity event, kind of like what you experienced, or even just leaving a really high profile career 
and they don't feel like they have that purpose going forward anymore. I would love to know, just coming from your personal experience, having gone through the work to really pull the layers back and, and help you lean into what a full life really means. You know, if you were standing in front of somebody that's at the point of no return, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're like, gosh, I don't even know. I feel like I should kind of how you were. I feel like I should be at a point where I'm, I'm feeling great and I don't, or I'm uncertain or I'm fearful for the future. You know, what piece of advice would you give them? So I'm terrible at giving advice, uh, but I, I, you know, I would share my experience. I would share that experience with them. And I, I would also, I would also let them know that it can, it can be okay. It can be better. It can be better than, than it ever, it has ever been. <clears throat> and also, I guess the message that I would give them clearly is, is, is they're not alone um, and they're not, and they're not different. And, and that was something that was, that was hard for me to really understand. And it took a lot of work and it took somebody who's a really good friend of mine today and a mentor who, uh, uh, so I'd gone through Dr. Gons and I learned some stuff and, and, uh, you know, I was going and, and I was starting to talk about feelings, get, get involved with the group, <clears throat> chat about some of this stuff and was really enjoying the fact that I could go and kind of dump all this stuff I'm feeling with this group. And they listen and some are quite a bit older than me, a lot more life experience and been through some stuff and I go and I, you know, I'd always share about all this stuff I'm feeling. And, uh, and one time this, this fellow says to me, he goes, uh, he goes, Trev, great that you come in and share this and really, really appreciate being here. He said, but I got some good news for you. I said, what's that? He said, you no longer have to suffer from terminal uniqueness. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, okay. you're, you're not, you're not different. You're not different. <clears throat> and, and, and that was an aha moment for me. That was another one of those things where it was like, oh my God. So I've, I've actually spent a lot of my life the last decade traveling around and asking people how they feel. Not how you're doing, because it's today, even today, and I and I still suffer. You know, I'm I'm a human being. I have lots of great things in my life, and and I still have anxiety sometimes. I'm still sad sometimes. I'm I'm a human. But if you ask me, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It can be the shits, and somebody says to me, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "It's a, it's good," you know, good, good, great, or awesome. And 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 that I found has been this canned response from everyone around the world, to be honest with you. And so, but if you ask somebody how they're feeling, so Dr. Gons said to me one time, I walked into his office after seeing him for multiple sessions. And he said to me, how are you feeling? And I don't think anybody had ever asked me that other than if I was sick, you know, or, or somebody in my, in my life had passed away. It wasn't a question that came up in, in general conversation. And I said to him without even thinking, how am I feeling? I am sad. I'm scared all the time. I'm afraid of everything. I'm, I'm afraid of success and I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid to live. I'm afraid to die. I said, and I am lonely. I am lonely when I'm alone. I'm lonelier with my friends and I'm loneliest when I'm with my family. And I don't know why I don't know what's wrong with me. And I said it and, and you're not a guy, but when your husband says that thing to you that he wished he wouldn't have and wants to suck it back, but Mm -hmm. it's too late. That's how I felt. I was like, Oh my God. Oh shit. I just said this thing to this guy that I respected and I wanted him to respect me. And I, you know, he's like, he's a psychiatrist and a psychologist and he's this great guy. And I thought here comes, here comes the, you should be grateful for your life speech, right? Like you, you have so Mm -hmm. much. And instead, I got a big hand on my shoulder and this man looked me in the eye and said, I get it. 
And if you would have, thank you for being honest with me. And if you would have told me anything different, I wouldn't have believed you. And I go around the world and I tell people this, the number one thing I've learned about human beings is we're all the same. We are exactly the same at an emotional level. And, and we live in different places and we drive different vehicles and we have different families and we're different colors and speak different languages. And, and some have extreme wealth and some are extremely poor. But I have asked literally a thousand people or more <clears throat> from billionaires of, of organizations uh, you know, that I know to people on the street in Africa when I went over and climbed Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say, I say, do you have kids? Yeah. Do you ever worry about, if, do you ever worry about your kids? Yes. I ask people, have you ever been in love? Have you, have you ever had your heart broke? Have you ever been sad? Have you ever been scared? Have you ever had anxiety? Have All of the feelings. There is not one person from the poorest person that I spoke to in Africa to the wealthiest person I've spoke to who's, who's a billionaire. Not one has ever answered those questions differently. So if anybody picks up anything from this, I hope they pick up that, you, that we're not different. And that's a good thing. Like it's, it's great. It's actually awesome that, mm-hmm. that we can identify at an emotional level with each other. So when somebody tells me they're sad, I don't need to know why. And, and, and them being sad, you know, it's all relative, right? Like my, when I was 12 and my girlfriend broke up with me, it hurt a lot more than when I was 17 and I'd been through five girlfriends, like, you know, <laughs> but that level of sadness at 12 is the same level of sadness that I feel at 40 sometimes over something different when my grandma passes away, right? Mm. Hey, Brittany here, letting you know that our newest book, Dream Architecture, is available for you on Amazon.com. It hit the Amazon bestsellers list within the first 24 hours of launch. Be sure to hop on over and grab your copy of Dream Architecture today. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad you went down this route because I think that there is this lonely Island feeling, you know, especially, and I want to use like one particular demographic of people, you know, you take like the entrepreneur, you take the high-performing business owner, and I can't tell you how often, you know, we're, we're in conversations with people, especially when it's like approaching that time where there's a change, like that liquidity event, or, you know, they're getting to this kind of moment in time where there's a massive transition that's about to happen. And we hear the same thing over and over about how they feel like they're on a lonely Island, how they feel like, well, it's, it's hard for, you know, me to feel like anybody can relate to where I'm at. And it's hard for, you know, me to lean on anybody because, you know, maybe my immediate circle hasn't been through this or doesn't understand the emotion. And I'm so glad that you went down this path to, to talk about how, you know, everybody kind of has the same fears, anxieties. It might be around different things, but we've all experienced it. And it's so real. And I think about for my kids and I think our listeners can relate to this too. You know, my kids, if they're having a moment or they're having a fit or my daughter's crying because she got her favorite pair of pants, a little splash on them. And it's like (laughs) the end of the world. I constantly am reminding myself, like, this is the end of the world to her. Like she doesn't fully comprehend yet that mom has this really cool stain remover. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to take care of it in the next wash cycle right to her. It's real. And I think you just gave the perfect representation about how, like at at point in my life right now, things that I'm upset about probably aren't going to affect me in the same way in 10 years. They they won't, they won't. Yeah. And, and and so I, I learned when I, I went and climbed Kilimanjaro and actually there's, you know, to the someday to today, there's a story behind that. But when I was in Africa, I came back and, and I, and I had this kind of, 
this just this psych, psychological and emotional change. And it wasn't actually super healthy because I came back quite cynical. I'd saw I'd saw these kids running around. I saw these poor people and they don't even realize how poor they are. <clears throat> like they, they know they're poor, but their reference to somebody who's not is somebody who has a full roof on their house and a solar panel. So they have a light in their house, like one light. And, 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 and so I come back and I, and I, I saw the kids and they're playing and there's joy and there's happiness. And I, I come back and I've got nephews and nieces, my son's older, but I've got some younger nephews and nieces. And, and my sister takes the iPad from the 10 year old or 12 year old or seven year old and they throw a wreck. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're so spoiled over here. And we're so privileged. And, and then it hit me that my, my nephews and nieces, they don't have that everything is relative to your own personal experience. When, when the mom takes the stick and the rock away that the kid plays with in Africa, it's the same emotional reaction, exact same emotional reaction. And, and what we do in life is we go through these experiences and these ones. So for me personally, all my growth has come through pain, all of it, you know, mm-hmm. little amounts are great amounts, but I am not motivated to change anything in my life unless I feel uncomfortable. I'm just, I'm just not. And I don't think I'm that unique in that, but we also, that's how we learn. That's how we build re- resiliency. I, I was, I've been struggling with some stuff here, just some emotion, emotionally lately. And, and, uh, and, and not, you know, it's just kind of a combination of things. And I, and I've got tools I use now, but just overwhelmed a bit with life and just burnt myself out, out a little bit. But I had a friend send me this video here about a month ago. And, and it was this lady speaking to her basketball team. I think she's with one of the major universities in the U.S. And she talks about an easy life. We all believe at some point that life is going to get easier. And, and, you know, when I graduate high school and I can be on my own, my parents aren't telling me what to do. Life's going to get easier. When I graduate university and get this awesome job, life is going to get easier. When I, when I have a husband or a wife and a, and a, and a house going to get easier and a family going to get easier. She said, life doesn't get easier. As a matter of fact, it's not supposed to. Any meaningful per- pursuit, any meaningful purpose in life is supposed to be hard. And, and our goal, our objective of life is to learn to handle hard better. It's not to have an easy life, easy lives, easy lives lead to depression and anxiety. When, when my life is easy and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, that is when I get in trouble. And so for me, that just goes through my head. It's not, it's not supposed to be easy. I'm supposed to enjoy it. You know, I seek contentment over happiness these days. I, I, I want to feel my feelings, even when I don't want to, I want to feel sadness. I want, and, but I want to be content that I know it's going to be okay. I will get through this, this, this will pass. Same as, you know, joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. All emotions are fleeting, but life is, life is, life is supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be challenging. You know, she referenced kids. Having kids is hard. It's really hard and it sucks like <laughs> forever. And, and, and yet it's, it's one of the most meaningful things human beings can do, right? Like it, it will be the greatest thing that you, that happened in your life is that you had kids, but for 40 years, it's going to be terrible, like in so many ways. So, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It is so worth it. And you're, you're dead on. It's, I, I say all the time. It's like, I think honestly, for me in particular, having kids actually made me a way better businesswoman. And it's because I feel like I've built up this level of resiliency. Again, I I know we don't want to necessarily lean on that all the time, but I mean, it teaches you how to be 
how to be tougher and how to kind of roll with the tides and how to tackle bigger issues and all of that. And I think to everything that you just talked about there and that whole progression of easy. I mean, I'm, as you're talking about that, and I'm sure for our listeners, you know, you as a listener, you can relate to the same thing where I kind of had this highlight reel going through my head and remembering being at my high school graduation and being like, yes, life is about to happen now. It's going to be so great. And then I graduate college and I'm like, yes. Like now going to get even better. And then I get a promotion at work and I'm like, finally, I'm making the income that I want. (laughs) And then you start your business and you're like, yes, this is what I've always Mm. wanted. And then there's just more to it. But the important thing I want to pull out of what you just said is that, you know, you talk about how that stress and that anxiety and those things happening when people don't have anything bigger that they're pursuing, or when there aren't those challenges that are stretching you to become even more. And the thing that flashes in my head immediately is the retiree. So somebody who has had some sort of purpose. Again, I go back to that, that identity that they're waking up to every day. And there's this misconception that, okay, well, when I get into my retirement years, I can do all the things that I wanted to do that I never did before. So I can catch up on my you know, Netflix binge, or, you know, I can get on the golf course every day, or I can, you know, spend quality time, coffee dates with my friends. And what people don't realize is that if you don't have something that's pushing and challenging you, or you don't have something that's even bigger than, than your immediate circumstance that you're pursuing. I mean, that's when, like you said, people get into trouble and we see that depression start happening or idle minds, idle hands, those types of things that, that can stir up from there. So segueing out of that, I want you to talk about your someday to today project, because I think it's such a great catalyst for helping people to maybe pursue those someday things. So I'd love you to talk about that initiative. Yeah. And I think that is a great segue because as human, as human beings and, and me personally, I needed to have something else. And, and I was, I was always, you know, I was going to do things when I was 40 and when I was 60 and when I retire and I hear that lots and I ask people, what, what would you like to do with your life? And they tell me and when, and, and then I'll say, well, why don't you do some of that now? I want to golf more. Well, why don't you golf more now? Like what I want to spend more time with friends. Why don't you spend more time with friends now? What if, what if you don't live till you're 65? What, like, hopefully you do. And and I think one of the greatest human qualities is that we always believe we have a future and we believe, we always believe the future is going to be better than today. It doesn't matter how good or how bad our life is at this moment. When we think about the future as human beings, we think it's going to be better. And I, and I, I, I say, I've never met a 30 year old who said my life is awesome, but I think it's going to suck when I'm 65. Like, I think it's going to be terrible at 65, but it's great right now. I just am sure it's going to be worse. And I've never met somebody 50 who said, who said my, my life is terrible, but it's actually going to be a lot worse in 10 years. But what I don't, and I think that's one of the most amazing human qualities is that we believe in a future and, and, and we have hope and, and this just inherent belief, it's going to be better. But what I don't understand is why we put things off, why we believe we have time. Mm. I just don't understand that. And I got this when I was with uh, one of my best friends, he's like a brother to me and, and he works with us at SharePoint. He's a VP here. And I was down in Calgary with him. Uh, this was back in 2016, I think. And, and him and I, uh, I decided to stay over last minute instead of going home. And we were going to go to Princess Island Park and go for a run and throw a football around and, and just hang out, um, be active. And, and so we met at the park. 
five minutes in, he's complaining of a headache and this guy never gets anything. Like he's, he's just this big monster of a guy, strong and, and healthy. Um, and, and he's complaining of this headache and long story short, we end up sitting down and I, and he's like, Oh man, I'm feeling dizzy. I said, well, let's just, let's just go. Like I'll buy you dinner and we'll just chill. And he said, no, let's go for a walk. Like, let's just take it easy. And so there was just this little hill and we started walking up to get back onto this path. And I heard him scream. Like it, it's not even a scream of this sound. I can't even tell you. Uh, and I turned around and he dropped to a knee and he grabbed his head and literally five seconds later, He's rolling down the hill and he stops breathing right in front of me. And so I run down the hill and I'm shaking a Marty, Marty, Marty. And, and, uh, and he's not, he's not breathing. And so I call 911 and, and they, I tell people they are angels. Like they, they, and I've taken CPR before, but never had to use it and hopefully never have to again. Um, but it, so I roll him over and, and I start giving him chest compressions and give him CPR for about three, three and a half minutes. And the first responders get there and it, yeah, they, uh, they, they bring him back, they intubate him and they get him breathing again. And then shortly, so, you know, this, this experience that was just like, Oh my God, like here was, here's this guy. He was 36. I think Marty was 36 then who who's healthy. And, and it hit me. We don't get, we don't get a year to know what's going to end. We don't get an hour. We don't get to call our mom and call our, call our kids. And, and not all of us get that. Many of us, it's like that. It was one second. He took a breath and then he didn't. And I was right there to watch it. And I was like, Oh my God. And, and weeks later, I got a call from a friend of mine his dad, uh, his dad was in the hospital and he was a mentor of mine. I'd known him since I was 14. He got me into the trades and, and, uh, and, and he, he had been sick, but he'd got better. And then all of a sudden uh, he's in the hospital and, and uh, he's not going to make it. And so I went to his service and at his service, his brother-in-law, who I know well, was speaking and he talked about all the things that, and, and the guy's name was Brian. And he talked about all the things that him and Brian were going to do someday. They were going to go they, financially. Both of them have the means to do anything they want. Mm-hmm. Brian had retired in January and passed away in May, I think it was. And, and so they were going to go golfing all over the places in the U.S. They were going to go to all these hockey games and NHL rinks all over the place. And, and they didn't get to do any of it. And not because they couldn't have, not because they couldn't have taken two weeks a year and they had the money. They just didn't because they were going to do it when they were both retired, semi-retired. And he said, I hope that you'd go. He said, we, we were going to do these things someday. Someday we're going to do this, this, and this. So now we'll never get to. I hope that you you leave and uh, and and that you change some your someday to today. And then next morning I woke up and I wrote that poem, Someday Today, that, that you saw the video on. And I didn't even tell people I wrote poetry back then at all. Like I was still in this kind of, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm vulnerable, but I'm not that vulnerable. I'm not nearly that brave. But I shared it with a few people internally in SharePoint and they did what SharePoint does. And I love this company, like things we do for human beings is amazing. And, and they turned it into this someday to today challenge. And so it started off just as an internal thing. You write down what you're going to do someday on a sticky note, you throw it on the wall. We take a picture. Once you do it, your name goes in for a draw and we draw a hundred bucks for every branch, um, every quarter, if you did your someday to today. And, and then, and then at the end of the year, we did a $1,500 draw for everybody to help them achieve a someday to today. But what we saw was people were doing meaningful things in their life. There was one fellow who had always promised his dad he'd go kayak fishing with him on the ocean. Finally, he marks it in and he goes and he does it. 
there were people did trips. One young guy had had the money to buy a house and he was going to buy a house and he couldn't, you know, he was afraid to, and he just set the thing and he went and bought the, his first home. And we had a lady who, who, uh, who came and said, I have been, she's in her fifties. She said, I have a sister. I found out I have a sister. I never met. We were separated. I both adopted to different families and I know where she is and I'd like to meet her, but I'm afraid to. And I said, well, why don't, you know, that's a pretty heavy private thing. We talked her, talked through it with her and said, you know, why don't you reach out to her? You know where she is. And anyway, long story short, she ended up moving to the city to be with her sister, very parallel lives. Both of them were single. They both, you know, had been married and divorced, raised their kids. And, and, uh, and so we're like, we're seeing all of this cool stuff, but like everything life gets busy and it kind of, kind of ended. And, and then the pandemic hit and we were like, let's, let's roll this out again, only let's blow it up. And so we've done a couple uh, we're doing one right now, a Sunday to today challenge, open it up to the world. Some of the things people are like that they're doing because of this is just unreal. And, and so, so it's like, there's it's, and it doesn't have to be climbing a mountain or jumping out of an airplane. I, I say to people, how often do you think of somebody, you know, that they're on your mind and they're in your heart, but you don't reach out to them? How often do you think your parents and you're like, ah, oh, I should give mom and dad a call, but you know, I'll do it next week or your grandparents, if you're fortunate enough to have them or, or that friend that you haven't talked to forever, you love them. And I'm like, I, I can text like a 14 year old girl. I just send a text. I'm thinking of you. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, you were on my mind. Like it, it is, it is unreal how easy this can be if, if we actually just, just make it intentional. And, and so we have seen some amazing things happen from the Sunday to today initiative. I wrote the poem and then the team did all the, all the work. I, I did that video you saw over the summer with friends and family and, and, and the, and the one guy in there with the beard who's in a lot, that's Marty. That's who, uh, that's who, who I was with in Princess Island Park. And him and I, our someday today back then was to go and climb Kilimanjaro. And we, uh, wow. we, spent, we spent 18 days together and went up a mountain and slept in a tent that they said was big enough for two people. And it, it technically wasn't, but it was cold. <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> Well, you know, a little snuggle, that's fine. That is so beautiful. And, and here's what I'm thinking as you're talking through this. Number one, I am so pumped. Like, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but we actually reserved. So it's Mr. Sweet's birthday is August 21st. And he's at this point in his life where, I mean, the guy, he's never going to truly retire. Yeah. Um, but he he's at this point in his life where he's looking at kind of his next chapter and these next steps and additional value to the world. So we reserved this national holiday dreams are possible day for his birthday. Exactly. And I think it ties in so well with the someday to today. So we'll make sure that in the show notes that we include the link to the someday to today, oh, video because I think it's so powerful. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you for creating it. But I think it's it, the, the, the concept between the dreams are possible. The someday to today, I think about not only implementing what you talked about, like in the company where you have every 90 days, somebody puts the sticky note and then you have the drawing at the end of the year and all that cool stuff that's happening. But think about bringing this into your home yeah. and, and I may be thinking about it from the perspective of having young kids, but you could do this at any stage, make a fun Christmas thing out of it for extended family, friends, whatever. But I think about it, if you catch kids, and I'm a big believer in this, but if you catch people in those younger years of encouraging them to pursue their some days or challenge themselves and step outside the box and commit to something and tie some sort of cool reward to it. 
my goodness, what kind of adults would we be bringing into this world and would we be grooming up? So I think this is such a powerful mission that, that you guys have taken on and that you've inspired. And I believe it's going to have just a massive or continue to have just a massive waterfall effect for anybody that decides to partake in it. Well, I super, I super appreciate that. And, uh, that means a lot to me and I know it will to our, to our team as well. When you talked about, you know, kids and, and I, I do believe that we do have an opportunity to, you know, to, to teach our kids differently. And, and, and I know with my parents, you know, they, they taught me what they knew. And, and as I yeah. said at the beginning, got some amazing life experiences and life lessons um, and how I grew up and resiliency was one of them. And I, and I believe that resiliency is necessary to mm-hmm. live a meaningful life. You just, you just have to, you know, have to learn to handle hard better. And then it's not hard, you know, um, yeah. But, but I do believe that there's an opportunity and, and, and I try to make sure that I caveat that I hope the pendulum never swings too, too far the other way either, but where we teach, we teach uh, children and we teach kids and we teach humans in general, that it's okay to have feelings and that, mm-hmm. you know, many, many people entrepreneurial that I've met or people who have had some success in their careers, partly why they have is because it's a great escape. It is, it is the, and, and this is why a lot of times when people sell their company, it's not only this attachment to the, you know, to it. And I, and I have one at, at SharePoint, I say, sometimes I have an unhealthy emotional attachment to this business. I've been here since the beginning for 20 years, but, but oftentimes the anxiety when you sell your business is you have nowhere to hide anymore. You have to deal with those emotions that you've, when, when I feel uncomfortable emotionally, I love to run. I love to climb a mountain. I love to come to work deal with the challenges because it immediately takes me out of me. And I love anything that takes me out of me because it's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable sometimes to just sit and deal with the stuff that's percolating. And I think that if we could teach people to just to, to acknowledge, first of all, become aware of their feelings. Yeah. When, when I first started on this journey, I knew happy, sad, more sad, like I had, I had such a limited understanding of what even emotions was like to even tell you what emotions were, let alone to be able to identify which one I was feeling and then be okay with feeling it. it I, I didn't like feeling angry. I didn't like feeling sad. I, I didn't like feeling any of the feelings except happiness and joy and, and love. And, and at the end, I felt nothing because I had become an expert at running from them and numbing my feelings. And so I, I believe that our kids need to learn resiliency and they need to learn, um, you know, how to handle hard better. But I also believe that to, to, to teach our children that it's okay to feel it's okay to cry. Yeah. And, and then, and then you'll, then you'll be okay. Like wipe your tears, have a good cry and, mm-hmm. and go do what you got to do. I could not agree with you more. And, and I know we're getting close to wrap up, but I'll share this quick story. So my son, he is the baby of the family and he, like my girls, I have two girls and I have a boy and my girls were like, or have been continue to be like the easiest human beings to raise. Like they're very much like pretty mild tempered. I have one little bit of a drama queen, but you know, really, really easy. (laughs) My son came along and he 
can be a little temperamental Turkey. So I bought this book. I'm like, there's gotta be something. And I'm a huge reader and all this stuff. So I buy this book. It's like, I think it's something about like Quilliam gets mad or how Quilliam handles being mad or something like that. So it's this cute little porcupine and it, it like the stories through it are like examples of when he gets mad about something and he it wants to throw a fit of things that he does instead. And so I'm reading this book to my three-year-old mind you, and we get to the end of it. And he's like, mom, I'm not mad. I'm not mad, mom. I'm sad. Oh. And I was like, okay. First of all, for my three-year-old little boy to be able to tell me like, mom, in these moments, because we're talking through like his times when he gets mad or acts out and he's frustrated and yells or cries or whatever, mom, I'm sad. And it was kind of this moment for me where I thought, you know, he is no different than me as an adult, than me dealing with my, my husband and I interacting with each other or in the workplace where you assume that, you know, somebody's got, they're, they're just being crabby or they're being a jerk or they're whatever. It's like, well, maybe they've got some other emotion that's underlying that we're not pulling out because we're just quick to react to whatever's on the surface. So it was such a simple thing, but it was so eye-opening for me. I'm like lessons learned from your toddler. (laughs) That your, your, your children will be your greatest teacher in life. If you let them, Um, I I love that. Somebody, it just hit me. Somebody told me one time that anger is just misdirected sadness. And, oh gosh. Yeah. and, And when you said that, and I forgot about that. And when you said that, I was like, I remember thinking of it at the time, but when you, and these three like, oh my God, yeah, that is so unreal. He is going to play you like you have no idea. He's way too smart. <laughs> oh, he is way too smart for his own good. And he right. knows how to get his mama. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I love it. Oh, well, Trevor, I would love to hear kind of twofold before I ask my final question. Number one, I want to know, you know, what are you working on? That's got you really excited right now. And to go in conjunction with that, how can people get a hold of you, follow you, you know, learn more about what you do, how you serve. So that's kind of a twofold question there. So kind of the main thing that I'm working on and focusing on right now uh, professionally is, is with our business SharePoint, we've seen tremendous growth and we, uh, we built this company on a culture of caring and we've done some amazing things and we want to, you know, we want to continue that on. We want to expand it um, and we want to really do more good in the world. Um, our, our, our mission or our core purpose is to care about people and empower them to improve lives. And that's, that's SharePoint's uh, electrical instrumentation mechanical company or a trades company. Um, but I, I say, and I'm proud of we, the fact that we do that and we do it well, but, but who we are is, is the most important to me. And so we're really trying to uh, become more aligned around that and, and do just do more good in the world, you know, have a healthier company so that we can help have healthier communities. Uh, so that, that it is, uh, you know, that is pr- uh, professionally my kind of my goal here right now. And, and personally, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a student of life and I'm trying to just, you know, learn more about myself uh, right now, specifically I've gone through some things that rocked me emotionally um, and, and not really sure why, to be honest with you, other than I burnt myself out some, but just going back and, and getting back into yoga again and doing some meditating and uh, spending time with friends and doing the things that are important for me to fill myself up with love, patience, kindness, so that I can offer that to the world and, and to my family and the people that matter most. Mm, so beautiful. So Trevor, how can people get a hold of you? How can they keep pace with what you're doing? <laughs> 
Uh, so I, the, I'm, I'm on Facebook just under my name and, and link, uh, LinkedIn under my name or, or SharePoint group. And if you follow SharePoint and you see what this company does in the community and the stuff that our, that our folks post, about uh, about the goodness in the world and about humanity and about it is it is overwhelming. I could speak to you for hours just on that alone. Um, but yeah, Trevor Muir uh, on on LinkedIn or uh, or Facebook, and I'm I'm on Instagram too. I don't know what I'm doing on there most of the time. Uh, but <laughs> does anybody? Uh, you know, I and and if if somebody does reach out to me, if they send me a message, I I I, I will take a bit of time sometimes, but I I respond to everyone, and you know that that uh, that's something that I. I enjoy doing and so if somebody does reach out and and if anybody uh likes the poem i i published the book years ago and i published it. i didn't even tell anyone i was going to i didn't even tell anyone including my family um and when the publisher let me know that it was on amazon they'd let me know two weeks earlier in an email that i didn't read and so i was at it was december i was at an airport traveling for work and i went back through emails and i was like oh look at Tellwell. And they're like, hey, congratulations, your book's done, blah, blah. So, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I haven't told anyone. I haven't told my family. So I sent out a few emails, but I don't really promote it much. But it's uh, it's a book of poetry that really shares more about the experiences that I've been through in my life. And there's more poems like Someday to Today in there and some very personal ones. And it's called Addiction to Poetry. Well, we will be sure to get the link from you so that we can also share that because I would bet that there's some listeners here that would absolutely be interested in that. Um, so Trevor, my final question for you is what haven't I asked you that I should have? I, do, I don't, I don't think I, I read that one and I'm like, oh, this one's going to be tough. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I like, I just love the conversation and getting to know you better as well, Brett. And, and again, I'm just super, uh, super honored that y'all, you know, felt, felt that uh, I would fit with what you're doing here. Awesome. Well, Trevor, I am in complete gratitude for all that you shared today. I think, I don't think, I know this is going to be an absolute value add to our listening audience, to our clients, everybody that we share this with. So thank you for showing up today. Yeah, you're welcome. And if anybody is struggling or does want to get a hold of me, please do reach out. Like I said, I, I, uh, I love, I love connecting with human beings. And if my experiences can help somebody else, then uh, I'm happy to share. Awesome. Well, that wraps up today's episode of the Dream Architect Life podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and and give this a share. If you're listening to Trevor's message and you like what he's saying and you see how it can impact your loved ones, the people in your life, be sure to share the message, share the video, share the podcast episode, however you're listening to it. We will catch you right back here on our next episode. Thank you for listening to the Dream Architect Life podcast, where money and mindset meet with Brian Sweet and Brittany Anderson. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. If you heard something that really hit home for you, please share it with those you want to be helpful to. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Sweet Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your retirement planning.